Hello and welcome to another episode of Behind the Pursuit. From Bourbon to Brand, however you found us, we're so glad you're here as we get behind the scenes with the Pursuit Spirits brand. I'm your host, Brian Bikey. Joining me, as always, we have the guys, Kenny and Ryan. How's it going, y'all? Hey, hey. Hey. Merry Christmas to everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. And all happy holidays. All happy. Or not holiday. You know, just happy December. You know, whatever it is. Merry Grinchmas. (laughs) Merry Grinchmas. Speaking of happy, I hold in my hands the number one smoothest bourbon under $100 for the holidays. According to Uproxx. Oh, collection, Pursuit United. How about it? How about that? We finally, how about finally hit that? a top chart right there. And a number one bestseller. Yeah. Well, not bestseller, but number one rated on something. Yeah, and our Sherry Finished Rye got top five on the top 50 American Rye whiskeys, which was pretty cool because you look through it and you know, you're beating out Handy, Van Winkle Rye. Uh, yeah, that that kind of blew the, my mind. Yeah. I was like, holy crap. And then this one beat out. What number two was Eagle Rare? We beat that one out. So. Which and is funny. We beat out what, Henry McKenna. We beat out. There was quite a bit in there. There was, I, I can't remember the list, but specifically Henry McKenna and Eagle Rare Ten. And it wasn't just Eagle Rare; it was Eagle Rare Ten. Yeah, that's yes. a funny one. Every time I I think about, oh, there was like Knob Creek Eighteen and Twelve was on there. Mm-hmm. When I see a list of smooth, I'm you. I basically am just scrolling through like, where's Eagle Rare on this <laughs> list? And I'm like, oh, number two. <laughs> okay, what's number? Well, Which is kind of strange because I wouldn't quite classify that as smooth. Yeah, <laughs> but we'll take it. I thought it was funny when it got sent to me originally, and I was like, well, we're probably on this list. And I keep scrolling. I was like, where are we? Until we got the number one, I, I was like, holy crap! I almost didn't scroll all the way because I was like, it's uh, we're not even on here. That's what I sent it to you. Is like, spoiler alert, you got to scroll all the way to the bottom. Yeah. Hey, the finishing, though, I think it I think it helps. I think it melds it out a little bit. It's a really enjoyable pour. So, yeah, there's congrats to that French oak and American oak coming together to really provide a really nice expression. Now, now you see Makers is going to come out with one. So now people are copying. Don't call but, us a trendsetter. Yep. But you can call us a trendsetter. Don't call us a trendsetter, but you can call us number one. So I didn't see makers on that list. That's anyway, right. I thought as the last episode of the year, with episode 52, now, you know, I think we've had some skips in there and we run it bi-weekly, but, you know, the two years now, we've been we've been knocking out this podcast. So thanks all of you all listeners for, for joining us on this adventure as we get behind the pursuit. And today, being the last episode that we're going to have in 2023, I thought it would be good kind of to reflect back, you know, throughout the episodes this last year, we've talked about the things going on with the guys, with the brand, with the company, with the distillery, the warehouse, everything. But I thought it would be a good time to kind of look back and say, hey, when we started this year, where do we hope we would be at this time this year? And are we there? Are things a little bit different than they were? And what are those things? So we're not going to do a top 10 moments. Hey, 2023. <laughs> why don't we do that? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll say here, top 10, uh, at least for this podcast, I'm just pulled up the numbers. Uh, we are up 19% compared to this time last year. Oh, so, hey, that's there we big. go. There we go. That's double the, digit growth. Yeah. So we're right now we're close to banking on around we'll probably hit around fifty five to fifty eight thousand downloads of this particular podcast in a year, which is great for actually it is I do Yeah, because that's only twenty five episodes a year. It is. Or twenty six. It is. And here's the thing is like you know me, I am very competitive in nature. So I have something on Bourbon Pursuits webpage. You can go and click it. There's a button that says Whiskey Podcast Rankings. And regards in just the rankings side of things, I am proud to say that, guys, like we hold the number one and number two spot for (laughs) 
bourbon podcast. Hmm. So above everybody else. So our you know bourbon pursuit, of course, its highest rank has been 10 in the past uh, 60 days. And the next one that's even like a bourbon focused one is 75. And that's us. And then the next one after that is number 76. And when we go to average rankings, you know, of course, Burton Pursuit is number 20. The next one, which is a, it's Vine Pair at 58, or should I say Wine Enthusiast at 42, Vine Pair is at 58. But then the next one that is truly bourbon focused is us at 125. And right. then from there, the next one after that is, I think you're at 133. So yeah, we're, we, we hold the number one and number two spots for both podcasts. Kenny's so humble. He is. You know? Hey, I, it's, sorry. Not to say humble. <laughs> no, I don't. You got to look I'm back at your, you got to look at your accomplishments. Yeah, and, no doubt. Uh, you know, we had the springboard of Burn Pursuit, but it just goes to show you, I mean, like everybody that's come through these doors to come and do an experience here at the distillery, a lot of people just love this podcast, right? Those are the people that are true diehards. They're excited to see Brian. Yeah, that too. Hey, that's always fun. And again, I mean, it is you all who is who has helped us be able to to get to that place, and and we know that from Bourbon Pursuit, and now we're seeing that with Behind the Pursuit. And so, before you know, I'm not going to end the podcast with this, I'll I'll mention it now. You know, we would love to hear what kind of things you all want to hear us talk about in the upcoming year. This isn't I didn't know I was going to be saying this, but you know, we had that that episode where we did the breakdown of Four Roses. That was kind of cool, but I didn't really hear much feedback from that. But uh, be it be it tasting through products, or whether we bring other folks on, or if there's just more talk that you want to hear from the guys. We'd just love to hear what type of content you want to hear on this podcast too. Podcast at PursuitSpirits.com. Love to take that in consideration as we go into 2024. But yeah, you know, th this building, you all were not in this building, I don't believe, you know, when we were at this time in 2022. You're no. you know, looking into 2023. So... We didn't even know it existed. Yeah. At that time. <laughs> <laughs> so now that you guys, you know, now that we're here and in this space... You know, from maybe some of the other spots that you looked at, kind of looking back, you know, how do you feel? How do you feel about where we're at? How do you feel about the this, this space that we're at compared to, I don't know, there are other options that you that you saw and, you know, maybe how those could have shaped out or what exactly, you know, the the progress you, you hoped would have with the downtown space? Did you guys hope you were in the downtown space by now or, you know, let's just dive into any of that. Well, let's let's punt the downtown space because that's its own separate topic. Yeah. But for this current space at our distillery, you know, I, when we found this back in February of this past year, we knew right away it was going to be a great home for us. It was definitely going to be the place that we could grow into at this point now that we've had it for a few months. Uh, it's way bigger than we need. Uh, we've realized that we're really bad at space management. We're just like moving pallets and putting stuff at different places. piles of trash one side to the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's It's been a very slow road to get to licensing, which, you know, we covered that in a different episode as well. And there's just new things we're learning all the time. And, you know, we've done everything from doing things where we're, we're, we fit, we have things going the right direction. There's also some setbacks, but I think that's just part of owning a business and trying to learn how the, the game works, because this is a very expensive game to get into. It's very front loaded, very cost heavy. I wish we were just storing books here or something like that. And you wouldn't have to worry about different types of codes and regulations and whatnot, but it's definitely something that's not for the faint of heart to get into. And I think that's probably been the hardest thing that we've learned through this is that we are severely underfunded as a company to, to get to the next stage of, of where we need to be. And we're just 
kind of crawling by the skin of our teeth every single day to make sure that we can we can keep moving forward. And we're always three weeks from being broke. (laughs) (laughs) But somehow it all works out. Yeah. Yeah, there's always something like that. But it's like I said, we're we we had the opportunity to get this place open. We got our licenses. We got everything kind of moving. And it was because of people that listened to this podcast as well as Bourbon Pursuit where people said like, hey, I want to come and check it out. And maybe I was too nice and I opened up the invitation to kind of say, like, at least for, you know, Patreon folks, like, just let me know. We'll come over and do this. And all of a sudden, we kind of just getting blown up. And I was like, okay, like, we've got to put the guardrails on this because it's like every few days somebody wants to come over and, and, and say hi. And as much as we love that, we've got jobs and everything like that we have to get used to. And, and considering we are in the, the mecca of bourbon here in Louisville, Kentucky, I said, well, let's figure out a way that we can turn this into an experiential thing. And we had already started doing all the planning for downtown on Whiskey Row of what we wanted to offer. And we said, this is the perfect opportunity to start piloting a lot of these programs and what's going to go right and what's going to go wrong and how can we finesse and massage this to make sure that we make it a really good experience when we do transfer it all down there. So as a part of that process, we had an opportunity to really kind of start playing around with it, figuring out what's going to work well and what's not. But we also were able to hire on some really talented folks. And I think that's been the 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 cool key thing for us is that we're now finding the opportunity where we can have people give us a little time back in our lives that we can put focus on whether it's more sales and distribution, whether it's blending, whether it's starting to figure out new business opportunities, marketing, whatever it's going to be. Yeah. I love, it's been fun having everybody come and get this experience and see what we do here at Pursuit Spirits. I think it just kind of, it all, it puts it all together. Like when you talk about, oh, we're blending and this and that, you know, people's eyes maybe gloss over or just kind of like, oh, I don't care. But when you kind of see it in the flesh, it makes it, it puts, it makes it a reality that we're very intentional about what we're doing. We're very hands-on. It's a very labor-intensive process. And, you know, we had been working, doing a lot of, you know, with the great team at Bardstown Bourbon Company. They've been awesome, you know, to get us to this point and, you know, taught us a lot. And now being able to have our own space, it's really just awesome having that a bit of control, but also, you know, you get to be a little more creative because you're not relying on their team to go do things that you need them to do and waiting on them. So you can really just, I can go down there and just start, I have an idea in my head and start, you know, running with it. And so it's been really awesome to have this space. It was, good God, it was a stressful, (laughs) and it's still a stress, but I mean, it was a long eight months to get this place up and running, but it's, we'll wait to see if it's worth it, but in the short term, it's been worth it. So yeah, we're excited about it. Yeah. My next question really was, and you kind of hit it on there right towards the end was, and I know we haven't had a lot of time for you to do this yet, Ryan, but was to figure out how much you've been able to to get hands on with the stuff you didn't have hands on before. You'd have to keep driving down to Bargetown for here. And if, and if you find that maybe more of a distraction so far, or if it's actually been able to be helpful to, to really understand what you're doing in the blending process to have it, you know, here on site. No, it's definitely, it's not a distraction. It's, you know, I was doing similar things, but the nice thing about having it here, like if, if you want to change something when you're doing it at Bardstown, you're really at the mercy of them letting you do it or like, because everything's on their time schedule. And so, you know, if, if going through and making blends, if something's not quite exactly the way I want, I can really tweak it on the spot. I can take, go find other barrels. I can do, you know, there's just so much more flexibility working out of this space 
and not relying on you know the, their facilities and teams. So it's been a definitely, I think it's going to be a huge advantage for us. And I, I think it's just going to help our products get even better and better as we move on. You're closer to the product. You're closer, closer to the product. You're closer to the everything from start to finish. And I think that's one of the things that we really liked about the opportunity of having that here is just because you know, once once you're over at Bartstown, you're like, here, take these, run with it. But you don't get to be a part of everything. I mean, guess if you wanted to, you could be there hovering over somebody's shoulder, but you don't want to be that person either. No. And they know what they're doing, but this allows us to kind of flex a lot of new different muscles and learn a ton of new things about the business that we can then go and honestly turn into even more content to be able to bring to you all because we're learning how what how to do bottling, how to work equipment, what type of water should you be using to blend with your whiskey to get an optimal flavor profile, like all these different things we're, we're learning about. Yeah, and that I'm finally getting using that Moonshine U training I had. It's really came in handy <laughs> here just in, you know, from simple as perfing and, you know, just a lot of different things like that I learned. I'm able to, you know, utilize that education here and I'm having fun. I'm really enjoying it. So, yeah, excited. And what about with the the tastings, the tours that you guys have been able to do so far? Again, not a, not a ton of time that we've had in that, but has it come to, has it materialized the way that you guys thought it was going to and, and what kind of experience you want people to be able to, to walk through in this space here? Yeah. I mean, obviously it's not an ideal situation. Like we were very kind of maybe nervous about it because we are in a warehouse. It is a operational facility. You know, there's not like a fancy gift shop. There's not fancy waiting areas. There's you know, it's very like rustic and organic, but, you know, we were kind of nervous about it, but the feedback has been, wow, this is really cool because it's an operational facility. It's not this polished thing. And so, yeah, it's, so far it's been been great. I mean, we're, we're really learning as we go. We had that great pilot run for five to six weeks with our podcast fans and Louisville Bourbon Club. Can't thank you all enough for coming and just being a part of this inaugural experience launch. And so, yeah, we've just been taking what's work and capitalizing on it and, and working on efficiencies and learning what doesn't work and removing that and this and that. And also, you know, Kenny and I have been so hands-on on everything. And now we've got great three team members that we introduced to you on, was it last episode mm -hmm. or the episode four? And, you know, also just, you know, getting all this tribal knowledge that Kenny and I have in our head because we know everything about this brand and getting, you know, able to communicate that to someone who can communicate that to whiskey fans is, you know, we're, we're constantly working through that. So, uh, but it's been great. I mean, we got a great team. Kenny's great at processes and documentation. I'm not. So, uh, <laughs> it, it makes it definitely his mind, the way it works, that makes it good for, uh, taking what we know and passing it on to other folks to, to do it for us. It's a lot of documentation. That's what it is. It's yes. Like, how do we do everything when we give our spiel and we sit there and we talk about it, but we dictate it and we sit there and write out every single thing because it's it's hard for people to to be us and tell the story like us. So they've got to tell it in their own some sort of fashion. But we've got to make sure the bullet points are there for the the good chunks of of information that people need to know about. What are some things that you all maybe looked at, kind of going into twenty twenty three, or some hopes that you had, be it for the company, for the brand. You know, and, and maybe some, whether that's regions that you all are in, whether it's a case counter, whether that's, you know, wh what are some expectations that you had for this year and have you met them? Or, you know, there's still goals that you're going after? I think there's probably 
goals that we'll be looking towards in 24, more along the lines of like our, our goals in 23 were really to get this place operational because we needed to look at excise tax burden and be able to get that off of our plate. It was that, it was making sure we had it before Kentucky Bourbon Festival so we could sell bottles at it. There was a huge things of just making sure that we had the the groundwork laid out. You know, this 2023 was also a big learning year for us. This was when we brought on somebody to help consult us in the realm of sales and distribution to make sure that we know how to speak distributor lingo. Uh, that's something that as many listeners probably out there like have no idea what it is to talk about case counts and discounts. Odds and all this. Oh yeah, points of distribution and what does it take to do this and how to do incentives and how to make distributors more hungry out there to, to sell your product and how you have to incentivize them. And there's this whole world of stuff. And so that was very early on in 23. And so we spent probably a solid two to three months going back and trying to fix a lot of that and trying to get more distributors on our side. And the unfortunate thing I think is we've seen 2023 has been a kind of a downturn in the market. I mean, people aren't buying as much. If they are, they're trading down in regards of what they're purchasing. And we don't fit into a few different particular categories, right? We don't fit into something that's sub 40 where people are saying like, this is the best $30 bottle that's out there, right? We we miss a lot of that that lower end consumer market. And then on the flip side of that, you know, there's, you have the super premium side, you know, your hundred, 200, whatever dollar size. And that has definitely started slowing down a lot, but the only things that really sell out there a ton, or, you know, it's got to hit in a few different things. Like, does it have a huge age statement? Is it coming from a heritage distiller? And is it cash strength? And that's the only time those are really kind of flying off the shelf. And then you have this middle ground where a lot of us are playing and that's within that 50 to hundred dollar range. And it's, it's a very crowded space. And so we've had to go back and try to figure out, well, how do we, how do we realign ourselves? And that's one of the things that, you know, Brian, you've been privy to these conversations too, is like, those are the things that we're going to look into 2024. How do we continue to stand out on the shelf at that price point? Would have been easier because we can't go lower. I mean, there's absolutely, there's no way unless we're just going to drown in our own stuff and give it away for free, which we're giving away plenty of stuff for free already. That's a whole t- another <laughs> discussion. Another episode, yeah. But it's like, we do, but we told ourselves we don't want to be a hundred dollar brand. We'll get, we'll get totally crushed up there and you'll get lost and you definitely don't want to be that brand because we'd rather move volume rather than moving, you know, just a little bit to be able to make that margin. So being able to get more bottles out there in the market is definitely one thing we want to do. Uh, As I mentioned, we kind of saw this downturn in the market, buying slowed down drastically. I mean, you can ask anybody that's come through these doors as well, even big fans of the podcast you know, they're not buying our single barrel picks as much as they were two years ago as well. So it's just a, it's something that it's not just us. I mean, the entire industry seen this. Thankfully, we're flat at the end of the year. Whereas you talk to other distilleries, they're down 10, 20%, mm-hmm. right? So on regards of us, like we're doing pretty well in regards of just the, the overall economics of it. Going to 24, yeah. Do we want to sell more? Absolutely. And I think we have a few different ideas of what we're going to do. We're really going to put the the pedal down on the PUPS program and trying to get some more single barrels out there. It's one of the things that, yes, there's other brands that have kind of flooded the market with it and people are sitting on different single barrels. I think that we can provide a little bit more of a unique opportunity when it comes to single barrels. So if somebody wants to have a double oak single barrel, we can do that. And I think we're going to, there's not a whole lot of places or a whole lot of different companies that are doing double oak single barrels. And I want to make that one of the things that we can lean on into next year 
of providing something that's really unique in that aspect. Yeah, going into 23, we, all, we, we had higher ambitions of case counts and this and that, but, you know, when it was mid-year, I think probably people could tell how depressed we were and <laughs> frustrated. We were not on pace. You to, guys okay? Yeah. We were not on pace to to even just be flat. And But we've had some things that have swung our way, given us some momentum. And, you know, we're, we're going to finish out the year flat, which is a huge accomplishment, especially after talking, you know, we, we're tied into the industry as a whole. And, you know, we just hear about a lot of the major brands struggling. So we're, we're very grateful, you know, that we're in the position we're in. We'll have going into 24, we'll have actually, it'll be all of our own, you know, distillate and recipes coming on board starting mid-year, which is exciting for us. So we'll have more barrels than we do this year. It won't be a ton more. This year we had roughly, I think, 100. The next year we'll have like 220, something like that. So we'll definitely be able to scale it, open up a few more markets that we've been looking at over the past couple of years, but just didn't have the product and continue to work on those distributor relationships. Like Kenny talked about, there's some markets that we got in there, you know, put in the work and fixed things. There's some where we did the work, put in the effort, and they are still not doing their part. So we have to, you know, evaluate those relationships and figure out is someone else better for us. But it's, and two, it's been a tough year for distributors as well, because they're, they were on easy street for during those pandemic years. And now they have to go fight for every sale and every liquor store does as well. Cause they have so much inventory from those pandemic years. So it, it's, we're optimistic about 24. So we're, we're just going to go into it with some ambitious goals and try to make it happen. Yeah. That answered my next question, which was, you know, things that we're looking forward to in 2024. I like the way that you, you pose those things too. You know, the, the goals kind of seemed, and maybe it doesn't seem like that in the moment, but they seem kind of like micro goals. Like even just asking you stuff for 2023, you know, there were, they might seem daunting in the moment. So maybe just on the back end of that, you know, it seems like it's, it was a little bit easier to tackle, but it seemed like some very big goals to go after. And that's what it sounds like with 2024 being the things that you're talking about, just that you just mentioned, as well as the downtown space, you know, being a couple of things to kind of just focus on and kind of gear towards. And so now having the folks that are joining the team to be able to help with some of the regular operations, you know, here, what, what does that, what does that look like for you all then, you know, yourselves that just like the, the two of you focusing on, you know, kind of as the turn of this year in 2024. Well, and two, I don't want to forget a lot of the reason we're able, we were able to stay flat is because of our ambassador program, the ambassadors. Yeah were a huge success for us and we're so grateful for you all and everybody that's willing to help us grow as a brand because Kenny and I can go out and do what you all do on a it's amazing what they've accomplished this year and well let's talk let's take a pause real quick too then because you know one of the episodes that we had early on was talking about the idea and or the start of the ambassador program so do you have any metrics Kenny or anything to talk about like what 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 that looks like now from when, for those who have been listening for a long time to know when we just brought it up, you know, what's that look like in terms of how many folks that we have out there kind of regularly spreading the gospel of the pursuit? Yeah. So in 23, I mean, this is where we went from zero to 70 people across 
all of our geos, right? I think that's the the impressive thing. Here's where it gets even more impressive, right? So one of the things that we encourage our ambassadors to do as a part of the program is that the, the, the program allows them to kind of work autonomously. I set this up like a gig economy, like same thing as if you're, you're an Uber or a Lyft driver. You can go and work as much as, as little as you want as long as you hit a certain minimum per month. So our minimum is of just one tasting a month, right? It was something that had started really small at the very beginning. We opened it up to our Patreon audience. It went from like zero to 10 to 15 to 30. And then we opened it up to the broader podcast audience. And then we went from 30 to close to almost like 75 or 80. And then we kind of had some people drop off because there's other commitments. There's other things that like, oh, I didn't really know what was going to really be had to take from this at the same exact time. There's other people that just aren't fulfilling their, their commitments. And so I've just got to be like, Hey, like we need to, like, I have you in this area, but I need to find somebody else in this area to be able to staff this if, if you're not able to do it. So some people just, you know, we kind of had to let go of the program too, but we went from basically doing zero in-store tastings across all of our markets. And to this date, I'm just looking at the responses that were submitted 676. Wow. Right. So those are 676 in-store tastings that would not have happened without our ambassadors. And that's more product that's getting out there, more scans at the register, uh, everything like that, right? And that's something that it would be absolutely impossible for Ryan and I to do, or it would be, it's not impossible, but it would cost a significant amount of money if we were to do this through an agency. And I don't even think that we could even hire enough full-time salespeople, like one in every market to even hit these numbers either. Yeah. We invested almost $200,000 in in-store tastings. You know, when you count paying the ambassadors and the out, the whiskey that is provided during those tastings. So we invested heavily because, you know, we grew our podcast digitally, you know, through the podcast, through social media and the alcohol business is just, you know, and we've talked about this on the other episodes, it's, it's hard to market it online and then when the consumer is making their purchases in the store and so that's why you see a lot of big brands have end cap displays they have displays they have barrels everywhere they have signage everywhere in liquor stores and we can't compete with that but where we could compete we knew we had a great product and if we could get people to taste it that would be our ace on the hole and having someone great to talk, tell the story, educate them, people on the product. And so can't thank the ambassador program enough. All the ambassadors, Kenny for all his, gosh, this is all his coordination and spreadsheets and communication, the training, the zoom calls. It's been a Herculean effort on his end. So just want to say thank you. Oh, thank thanks you, Ryan. all ambassadors. So, um, but yeah, that was a huge part of our the reason why we were able to achieve what we did this year. So, yeah, like I said, and there's, it, there's, it, it's just been something that we love. And I, I know that I can't, it's not for all of them, but there are definitely a few ambassadors that have reached out to us and just saying how much they've loved being a part of this. I mean, of course, you know, they, they are tied to something. They feel like we're a part of it. And, you know, we, we give them something that hopefully provides some more value into their whiskey habit and habit hobby <laughs> i mean what do you want to call it journey yeah but this is something that that you know they can they can really get behind they feel like they're they're a part of the brand and that's one of the things that you know we try to do i i, I usually try to do it like monthly but of course time gets the best of us but i try to have calls 
you know, at least once a month with all the ambassadors where they can hop on. And, and if it's not that, then I, I spend a, an email or send a Sunday writing a four hour email to give them an update on the status of the business in every single market. And I really want them to feel like they're part of the inside. Like they have a, they have a grasp on what's happening and they feel like they're, they're truly involved and they're a part of this too. So now you mentioned too, you know, one of the things, this is a couple of topics back, but you mentioned people being able to come in and, and get, you know, double oak single barrels is, you know, something or in, in, in building into the pups program. What does it look like for growing skews kind of turning into 2024 or is it going to be rather, rather slow? And that's, that's actually more, you know, kind of forward on. No, I mean, that's, we've already mentioned that and dropped those tea leaves already. So we will be coming out with a, a double oaked bourbon and then a double oaked rye following on the heels of that one. Now, what's that going to be out in the market? Time will tell. I would say we're really going to focus our home base first. One of the things that we've been really trying to work on here locally, not just locally, but here at the distillery is that when people come visit, what do people want? They always want something they can't get back home. Now, we're offering the opportunity to bottle your own single barrel, which of course you can't get back home, but they also want a different label, something they don't have before. So we need to probably start of just getting double oak here available as part of just a tasting and then you can try it and then you can take it home with you. And then we'll start looking at distribution into the markets where we feel that our distributors have really gone above and beyond and making sure that we take care of them first, because last thing we want to do is go try to get into a new market where stuff's just sitting in a warehouse anyway. And so we, I'm not going to say that we're dangling a carrot because they might not need us, but we definitely want to work with our distributor partners that have been really kind of going to bat and getting us into most places and, and, you know, giving them the opportunity to make, it, it, it all comes down to making money, right? Like they want to sell product that makes more money and they want product that flies off the shelf that makes more money to the retailer. And so we want to help people that help us. And, and that's kind of how that game works. Beyond that, I think we'll probably need to work on some more single barrels that will run through here as part of Pursuit Series that will be just limited drops that are only here available at the distillery too. So those aren't going to make its way out to market. Maybe maybe a few will throw in the seal box and stuff like that. And then what other kind of things Ryan's got cooking up in the experiment lab? We'll have to figure that one out too. Yeah, I got so many. <laughs> you know, I probably got, I'd say six to 10 concepts I'd really like to make happen, but it's just like when you start another SKU, it's like, you gotta, you know, get the cola per from the TTB. You gotta get, you know, new labels, new this, that, all the market launches, market launches in the each state system, this and that it's, it's a pain in the ass. And so it's like, you gotta, you're, you're trying to build, you know, these four really good SKUs and then, and when you go new, it takes attention away from that. So you're, you're always trying to have this balance of like, how do I focus on what's working and build on that, but also create something new to keep people excited. So it's, it's definitely a balancing act that we're, we're trying to play. And we we're so like laser focused on getting this place and up and running. We really, you know, I worked on it in the back end, but we really need to like, all right, run with some of these ideas that we think provide a really good, whiskey on the shelf, but, you know, just executing those ideas. You talked about this being a learning year. What would you say, you know, we kind of, we can lean towards wrapping this up. What would you say is the, the key takeaway or biggest learning point that either of you, both of you have, have gotten from this year? Oh gosh. It's been a big, 
learning year, big brand building year. I think it's been both of those all, all kind of wrapped up in one. We we did a lot of firsts this year. And I think that's one of the things that we'll look into next year. And maybe we don't even have a an eye on the horizon. What else? I mean, other than opening up our location on Whiskey Row, that'll be another big first. But for what we've been doing here, I don't know. I think it's, it's really hard of like, what did we learn the most? I think that we started in the last conversation that we all sat down together. I think we had a really good discussion on figuring out, well, who is our real customer, right? Who who are the ones that are going to support us at the end of the day? Who are the ones that our whiskey is targeted towards? And once we discover that, and it took us, what, three years to <laughs> two years to finally figure that out. It, now we have a better idea of how are we going to position ourselves? How are we going to market? And if we're going to go through a, you know, drop more tea leaves of, of what does a new label look like or packaging change? What's that going to, what, who are we trying to, to cater to and, and how are we going to make something that's going to stand on the shelf to, to really catch the eye of that particular person? We really learned this year how hard this business is. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think a lot of brands who got into this space over the last two to three years had the benefit of pandemic years where people were just trying and buying everything and you really didn't have to go work the system, you know, this and that. And, you know, things stopped and changed and if you, you know, you're not willing to put in the effort to build your brand, it's going to sit on the shelf and then you're not going to get reorders and then you're out of business. And so, you know, we, it was just a big revel revelation year, I guess, of like, how much effort, capital, resources, everything that it takes to be successful. And that takes time. You know, it's nothing, nothing's built easy. It's not built fast in this business. And so I think coming to that realization, you know, we stopped getting frustrated and just start putting our head down and doing what we needed to do. Cause you know, it's, it's, it's a tough one. It takes, you know, it takes on average, probably five to six years for a brand to actually resonate with consumers. Even when you have a fantastic product, I mean, hell, we won two more double golds this year. We were our bourbon was up for best in class at San Francisco, which means you're in the top five of 500 different bourbons that entered. I mean, we have a fantastic product. It's just taking the product and marketing it better to a consumer that cares about you or wants to care about you and interest you. So we. It was a lot of, you know, soul searching and forming an identity as a company. It was like, all right, who are we? Who are we trying to be? And how do we go relay that to customers that they can get excited about us? So it, it was a good learning experience for us. What we can do is now we know our customer and we can say, do you want the smoothest bourbon? That's there right. Is? <laughs> We've got it for you because we are number one on Uproxx's smoothest even bourbon. Though, of always said smooth was boring. But like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and funny enough too, I feel like I can even talk about the talk about this a little bit too because we have these side conversations all the time just about how you know through the pandemic communications changed. You know, and everyone has seen it and heard it. And a lot of people, you know, who either are listening or maybe other outlets that you get information from are are channels that have done that growth during this time too. But you know, it's not even about just getting regular marketing ads or photos of your product taken and saying like a little tagline. It's not even that anymore. It's it's a lot more involved. It's constantly changing. It's constantly moving and and trying to figure out how to get in front of people and just, you know, display a brand has changed a lot in the last couple of years too. So I always used to joke about this too, about keeping up with the trends or keeping up with the platforms or whatever. And, you know, at that time it seemed easy. I feel like this one was, it felt like a bigger pivot for some reason. I don't know if I just wasn't prepared for it or what, but it's been, it's been an interesting ride. Well, now that you're 
been technically in the industry now for a year, right? This is your first year into it. What's you, what yep. do you learn? Oh gosh. I mean, some of the things that, that you hit on too, you know, and it's, I think just what you previously, or what you just mentioned shortly ago about finding your target audiences is a big one. And and then again, too, I, I think that you kind of have to anchor on that because what I've learned from people in the media space is that people's palettes are all over the place. And what I've learned from people who absorb from the media space is that people's palettes are all over the place. <laughs> and what I've learned from people in the store and stores themselves, their palettes are all over the place. It's like, and I know the same thing can be said with any, any industry, but you've got to figure out who you're selling to because there's no just one right way. Like everyone responds to a brand and responds to a product completely differently and navigating that and just staying true to the things that you, that your goal, the goals are for your brand and what it looks like, what it tastes like, all those things, you know, you kind of have to anchor that because if you're going to let someone else dictate that for you, man, you'll be weaving all over the place. I'm glad you mentioned that. It's like, there was a lot of trends that happened this year that I could never have anticipated. And we decided, you know, we did embrace some, you know, with the the finishing, you know, and the toasted and whatnot, but we were still true to ourselves in that we didn't chase like the Amberana craze or any other, you know, honey or maple or whatever, you know, and those are all fine if you, if you like those, but we really want to be a whiskey company and not a marketing company. And we want to focus on putting really good whiskey inside the bottle. That's not, you know, just the flavor of the month. It's something that's, that's good and solid and consistent and, you know, exciting at the same time. A flavor of the month club sounds really good though. <laughs> and that's fine. And there's the brands out there for you to, to achieve that. And, and, you know, if there's a, something that we feel like lines up with what we want to do, you know, a trend, but you know, that we will we, evaluate, but yeah, it's, it's wild. The, the, the whiskey market consumer habits, they, it seems like they're, they feel like they're changing every three to six months, which is really hard from a product f standpoint. Cause you're, you know, you're trying to figure out what's working now, but what you're like, we just talked about a second ago and it's really hard to like, how do you create a product that people keep staying interested in and whatnot? So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's a weird thing too. You know, you see these products that are coming out at high ages and you know that back then they're like, well, they, they had whatever data they had to predict that these products would be able to come out now. But with what you're saying about data, you know, flavors changing every three to six months, seems like finishing is the only kind of thing that could keep up with that. Because if you start laying down stuff now, you know, if it's only hot for a year, when it becomes age, four years, six years from now, whatever, it'd be like, what the hell are they bringing this out for? Yeah. Well, yeah. there's, because there's only, what, a handful of people that can actually bring out high age whiskey. And that was not a problem five, six years ago. Now it's a problem. Nobody has high age whiskey to release like that. So when somebody does have high ages, it immediately flies off the shelf. So that's where the finishing and what other, I don't want to call them gimmicks, but what other kind of angles can you play that can help promote your whiskey rather than just hitting on those checkboxes we had mentioned earlier? Yeah, and and the reason the high age people got high age whiskey was because they couldn't sell <laughs> they couldn't sell, sell any whiskey for twenty years, and so it's this yeah it's this huge conundrum that you're always in as a as a whiskey company because you can't rush things in this business. It takes time. It takes years of maturation. It takes years to build brands. It takes it's just it's a <laughs> 
But it's, I mean, if you think about even Dusty's, what Dusty's do you know that had an age statement? Very rare, right? I yeah. Mean, they were all probably four to six year, maybe yeah, four to six year old granddad and, uh, you know, Heaven Hill stuff that, you know, there was some stuff that was 15 plus years, but a lot of that went over to the Asian market. So even anything that was at a high age statement, most of it wasn't for American consumption. And it it kind of swung where that pendulum turned into it being a, a a a higher I don't know echelon of a product, and then people got used to it over here, and now it's gone, and so now it's kind of like turned into it. Anyway, it's all upside down. Well, guys, thanks for your time for today. On an episode once we kick into January, maybe we'll talk more about uh, the future and and what we're looking forward to most of the year. Thanks for diving into things, and listeners, thank you all for a great year here in 2023. Hope you guys have been joining the podcast again. Let us know if there's other topics, other episodes that you want us to to talk through. Podcastpursuitspirits.com. Everybody have a great end of the year. Catch you guys on the next side, 2024. Till next time, everybody. We'll see you all later. Toodles. Go Ravens. <laughs>